Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Faith. I'm part of the staff team, the senior staff team here at Central. So this morning, we're continuing a series in the book of Psalms. And um, there is something, um, there's something lovely about the Psalms. There's something tragic about the Psalms. There's something everything in the Psalms, isn't there? I think it's Martin Luther that called the Psalms the Bible in miniature because there's so much packed into what is admittedly the, the longest book of the Bible, but so much emotion and outpouring, so much honesty in the Psalms. And um, last week you were in Psalm 7, and that was so much an outpouring of desperation, wasn't it, for those of you who were here? Just a call for God to protect me, a call for justice. God, this isn't fair. And what I love about the Psalms is because, like today's Psalms, so many were written by David. We don't just have the songs, the, po the poetic writings. We also have quite a good account of his life, don't we? We know a bit about his childhood, about him being anointed to be king from a place of obscurity, the youngest child in his rather large family, probably an overlooked child. We have the whole kind of tract of his life and we get to see all the highs and lows of David's life and he did have some tremendous highs um, he was the one who brought the tabernacle back to Jerusalem that was a fantastic thing he's the one who danced and worshipped with abandon before God he's the one who in his life knows great love and devotion he inspires tremendous um, loyalty in his mighty men but he's also a person who makes quite a mess of his own personal relationships. He sins in a way that most of us have probably never sinned. And I know we don't, to a certain extent, grade sin, but adultery and murder are reasonably serious. That was said with an amount of irony. And so when we come to the Psalms, what we get to see is something we often don't see in anyone's life. The, the people around us, the Christian leaders, the people in the Bible, we get to see how they actually felt. And that's tremendously powerful. Because it's one thing to experience life and to see people experiencing things. It's quite another to hear how they're feeling. David was alive when these psalms were sung. He was singing them. He was letting people know how he felt. And what I love about Psalm 8 is it sits right at the end of psalms that have really been an outpouring of emotion in quite difficult times. And Psalm 8 breaks onto the scene. And today, sitting in this lovely building in this tremendously built-up city, Psalm 8 is literally going to pull us up and out to the wonder of God's creation. Both this earth and beyond this earth, and how everything God has ever made sings out you are sovereign, you are God, you are majestic. And that doesn't just break, Psalm 8 isn't just standing alone, it, sat, it stands right alongside songs that say things like, God, I don't understand why my life is so hard. God, I'm struggling. And so I just wanted to give it that little bit of context this morning. So I'm hoping this will work. I've, um, I've put each verse of the psalm in front of a photograph. And um, I'm no um, professional photographer, so some of these are just photographs, but many of you will recognize them from parts of 
the beauty of the world or the nation that we live in. So there's one. So Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. I think my version might be slightly different from yours. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I don't know about you, but I have a number. In fact, I do know about you because we live in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. How many times have you been out hiking or on holiday and you're just somewhere of great natural beauty and something happens inside of you, doesn't it? Something inside of you is just fed by the glory of God's creation. Of course, God is not his creation. We're not actually looking at God, but we're looking at the work of the creator God. Do you know there's some scientific research now that says that it does something to the brain, something in the brains of human beings that are deeply affected by being in nature. There's a book out at the moment called The Three-Day Effect, and they've charted that if you're out in nature for about three days, something, something significant happens. And I don't, I'm sure some of you have spent, how many of you have spent three days like out somewhere quite remote in Scotland or somewhere in the world? Okay, so that's most of you. Um, I walked the West Highland Way a few years ago, and it was such a fantastic experience. How many of you have walked even part of the West Highland Way? You guys are troopers, so you know what I'm saying. And, I mean, it was only about five years ago, so I wasn't a teenager, I'd like to point out, so I was very proud of myself. But for six days, we had one of those services that picked up our bags and, and met us. I mean, I'm not for, like carrying, you know, my body weight along the West Highland Way. And then we would have set up our tent and so on. But it took us a good chunk of every day and to, to do the bit of walking, the 15 to 20 miles. And um, we would start the day, you know, a little tired, and then we'd kind of wake up and then we would chat. And then we'd keep each other going by chatting about all sorts of things. And then there would just come this point where our bodies were tired. Everyone who's walked it knows what I'm talking about. Your body's tired, you're beyond talking, and you're just walking, and it's just you, and there's miles of absolutely stunning scenery. And it does something to your soul, doesn't it? I did it as a, partly to raise money for a charity, partly just for the fun of it, partly for health, partly for my pals. What I didn't realize is it would actually be for me a really spiritual experience. I found myself worshipping God in a very different way. I had no words because I was quite tired a lot of the time, <laughs> to be fair. 
I didn't, so I didn't really have words. I didn't have songs. I didn't have an, you know, things stuck in my ears with music. But there was a worship coming out of my soul as I kept looking at what God had created and realizing, like it says in Psalm 8, what is a human being? What am I that you care for me? Like that song that we just sang. And there's something lovely about verse 2, isn't it? Because we can worry so much about the enemies, the things that are coming against us in life. Whether those are thoughts from inside ourselves, anxieties and worries. Whether those are difficulties outside or genuine people trying to persecute us. And yet God says that a place of safety, a stronghold can be built by the praise of children and infants. That God has given us this very simple tool that even a child can use. That when we praise him, when we worship him, when I look at creation and don't just go, oh, that's nice, but go, God, thank you. God, you are amazing. God, you are so big. Why would I ever worry about you taking care of me when you can do all of this? And we build a place of safety in worship. And as I said, we human beings, we have a really special place in God's heart. Is that because of things we've done? Very unlikely. <laughs> we, we tend to do quite a lot of silly things, don't we? Yes, referring back to, to David. But we have the absolute privilege of being created in the image of God. We're told in Genesis that out of all of creation, we are the ones created in the image of God. And we have been given the honor of being asked to rule the earth alongside of God. I would not have done that if I was God. I don't know how many of you have run your own businesses or whatever, but imagine if you had the skill of God, would you partner with people like us? No, I just wouldn't. But God, in his grace, pours out favor on human beings. The grace of God does not start in the New Testament. The grace of God starts in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. God loves us because he loves us. And in that verse where it's um, verse 4, is it? No, not verse 4. Verse 6 where it says that, that God's made us to rule with him. When we hear that word rule, we can see that as a, as a word, a, quite a harsh word, Maybe that we would kind of exploit the earth or we would, you know, we would take charge and we would do whatever we like with it. But let's think about what rule means in the Bible. You see, the God who created this world also sustains it. And therefore, the rule is one of sustaining the earth. How does God rule? Well, let's look at Jesus. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. So he is the ruler above all other rulers. Ephesians 1.22 that says that all things were put under Jesus' feet and he was made the head of the church. How does Jesus rule? Jesus rules by loving and serving, not by dominating and exploiting. We can read the word rule through the eyes of Westerners in a nation that has ruled incredibly badly all over the earth. I'm speaking of colonialism. But that's not the way Jesus rules. 
Jesus said, the greatest among you is the servant of all, not the exploiter of all, not the dominator of all. And when we just look back to Genesis 2 for a moment, those first human beings, that first couple, they were given three tasks, weren't they? They were told to cultivate and take care of the garden. And they were asked to name the animals. And I just want to unpack that just for a little moment, just to give us a bit of a deeper insight into this amazing responsibility that God has called us into alongside of him. And that word cultivate or work, it comes from the Hebrew word, which means to serve. We're not meant to exploit the earth to get as much food as possible to sell it and make as much money as possible. We're meant to serve the world in which we live. And then when it says that Adam and Eve were told to take care of the earth, it might come up there eventually. I'm sorry it didn't for you, but you've probably read Genesis 2 before, most of you, just once or twice. And that word take care is the Hebrew word shamar. What a nice word that is. And it's the same word that's used of the way that God takes care of us. So when we were singing about how God loves us and his great love for us, that's the way we are supposed to take care of the world around us alongside of God. And it is said by some theologians, you might have read it, that in naming the animals, that human beings were kind of exerting their position at the top of the food chain. It's a sort of act of dominance. And, and I've read that. I read that when I did my theology studies. And, and then I read the counterbalance, which makes more sense to me, especially as a parent and as the owner of a dog, is that when you name... <laughs> I love my dog. My dog's 15 and a half. I mean, he's, he's at the... Anyway, we'll not talk about my dog. Um, so when you have a child or even a grandchild or a beloved pet, and if you're, a, if you're not a pet lover, you will not understand that, and if you are, you will... And you name them. It's not an act of dominance, is it? It's the beginning of a relationship. It's, it's a res it feels like a big responsibility, doesn't it, to name your child. You agonize over it, maybe not quite so much over a pet. But it begins the bond for a relationship of love that is meant to last for the rest of their or your life. So we are called alongside the God of the universe into this beautiful, amazing creation that speaks of the majesty of God. That is Psalm 8, isn't it? It's bookended with, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And we're called with the special responsibility to help tend and care for that earth. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It could look like lots of things for lots of people. But I would say one thing is, when I look at the news um, and listen to things, all I ever hear is human beings giving, up, giving us each other a really hard time for how we don't care for the earth. Like we've all been in the supermarket, forgot our plastic bags again and felt bad, haven't we? And then you apologize to the shop assistant, who doesn't really care, I imagine. I don't know, maybe that's just me. You're looking at me like, don't, do you ever forget your bag? Yes, I do. But I would also like to say there is great capacity within human beings to love God's world. There really is, isn't there? Do you know, when I was a little girl, I can remember we used to drive all over Scotland. I come from Perth. We would drive everywhere. And my mum would always say, when she was a little girl, 
these hills used to be full of trees and now they're not. And this used to be full of trees and now it's not. And that used to be full of trees. Because Scotland was at one point, I don't know what the percentage is, but you know, masses of forest. And then we just basically chopped it all down and made furniture and burnt it, no doubt. But you know, in my lifetime, the project of reforestation of our nation is well underway. And you now go to hillsides, don't you, everywhere. Now, and we've, now we're beginning to learn actually planting all of the same kind isn't as beneficial as having a mixed woodland. And we're learning. And there's something deep in the heart of human beings that knows that we are called to partner with God. Otherwise, why would anyone want to be a vet? I'm, I live next door to an ecologist. It's the wildest garden you've ever seen. Every other neighbor hates it. It's quite a wild garden because she likes to make homes for birds and insects. And oh my word, is her garden a home for birds and insects. But do you know what's lovely? She's, she has basically let her garden go completely wild. But in the morning, when I pull up my blind, all I can hear, dozens and dozens and dozens of birds. We've got hedgehogs and all sorts of things. Because one person just said, I just love to make a home. Why is that in human beings? Because it's in the heart of God. Because God's creation worships him just by being. Think about it. If all creation worships God, how on earth does it do that? It doesn't sing songs, it just worships God by being. So to finish this morning, I want to just show you those slides and just read that psalm one more time. And I'm going to do it quite slowly and let's just take a moment. Maybe you want to close your eyes and not see them and think of that place where you have really worshipped God in the beauty of his creation. And let's think about the majesty of our God and the awesomeness of being a human being. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have put in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Wow. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Wow. All the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And Lord, we come before you this morning in awe of how amazing our world is. And we are sorry as human beings for, for the obvious mistakes that we've made um, against your creation, against each other. 
we make a mess, God. And we are so grateful for your favor and your grace, which always affords us another opportunity. We're so grateful for these bodies, which given any opportunity will heal. We're so glad for ecosystems and land stuff and animals who everybody has healing built into them. God, we're so grateful for you who is the sustainer of life. And this morning, Lord, we choose to say, God, our God, we acknowledge that you are sovereign Lord over all of our lives and over this planet. And we look up from the situations that might be causing us worry. We look up from the places where we feel there are enemies, from the fears without and the fears within. And we look and say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen.